Welcome to Wisdom's Table with Rachel Wardman. You should know this podcast will cause you to grow. We go deep on all kinds of topics related to the Christian life, leadership, relationships, business, and so on. Listening to this episode just might be the best part of your day, so let's get started. Okay, you guys, welcome back to the podcast. We're diving straight in as we wrap up our series on my newest book, The Expansion Mandate. I hope this has been helpful for you. If you don't have the book already, you can grab it on rachelwartman.com. Use the code INSIDER15 to get you 15% off, or you can grab it on Amazon. If you have read the book, it would mean the world to me if you would take a moment to review it on Amazon. Um, it really helps the algorithm push it to people so they can get their hands on it and be blessed by it as well. Today we're wrapping it up, but there is so much more to cover in the book that uh, I, I wish we could do another couple series, but we're going to move on. If you have ideas of things you want to hear on the podcast, please don't hesitate to send them to me. Come find me on Instagram or TikTok, send me a DM. Um, or you can email me at rachel at rachelwartman.com to let me know. I am so pumped that you've been listening and coming back. I just want to say welcome. Okay, so let's dive in because we talked week one about promises. We talked week two about process. And today we're talking about possession. We're talking about what it looks like to actually make it to the promised land. And it, we're talking about the fourth battle, which is the battle in the promise. So if you're new to the concept of my book, The Expansion Mandate, we look at the four battles every Christian has to win to make it to their promised land. And it is the battle to the promise, excuse me, the battle for the promise, and then the battle to the promise, and the battle at the promise, and finally the battle in the promise. This is such an interesting one because I think a lot of us assume once we get there, it's smooth sailing. Y'all, you need to know there is really no smooth sailing in the kingdom of God. There is smooth sailing in the sense that our relationship with God feels secure and we know he's with us and we're with him. But there are going to be days that are challenging. There's going to be seasons that are difficult. There's going to be treacherous moments as you expand the kingdom of, life, of God into your life. Joshua experienced this as well in the Bible when they got to Jericho. You know, Jericho was like an outpost city. It was kind of a guard city. And of course, the Lord did something dramatic when they marched around seven times and the walls fell down. Um, something really dramatic happened there. But it goes beyond that as well. It's like they... Um, they That was like the beginning of the promised land that God was bringing them into. So Joshua himself fought 13 battles in the promised land after he was 100 years old, too, which was crazy to me. Um, Joshua is an amazing hero of mine for so many reasons. But what we see in the battle in the promise is we see what it looks like to embody our new identity as a promise carrier. We see what it's like to embody our new identity as a man or a woman who is confident in the fact that God is with them in the fact that God is fighting battles for them, in the fact that God has an agenda and we get to be a part of having that agenda come to the earth. It's amazing if you really step back and think about it. Joshua's life to me is so fascinating. He and Caleb were the only two people in the entire nation who began the journey as slaves in Egypt, made it through the Red Sea, wandered around that desert for 40 years, experienced all the highs and lows of manna and quail and cloud by day and pillar by night and all these amazing things and actually got to step foot in the promised land. 
And something interesting happens in the the story where Israel makes it to the Jordan River and to Jericho, where they start experiencing full circle moments. And when you get to your promise, you're going to start experiencing full circle moments as well. You're going to start being like, you know, I've been here before. This feels familiar. For Israel, originally they were at the Red Sea. They were trapped by treacherous water. They were fearing for their lives and God came through part of the sea and they were able to walk across on dry ground. 40 some years later, they're standing at the Jordan River, which was flooded at the time. It was too treacherous to cross. And they're standing there in front of treacherous water yet again. But this time something was different. They were different. Israel was different. This time she knew the Lord was going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. At the Red Sea, she was not very certain. She's like, send me back. Will you take me back, Pharaoh? I promise to be good this time. And now she's like, all right, Lord, what are you going to do? And God parts the Jordan River for her and she goes across and it's amazing. There's another full circle moment that comes in the moment where we see the spies that were sent out. So one of the reasons why Israel was sentenced to this 40 years of wandering through the desert was because Moses had selected 12 spies and he sent them out to spy out the promised land where they were going and report back. This is one of the most significant leadership nuggets that I can give you. Who you pick for the assignment is so important. If Moses had picked a couple of different guys, they might not have spent 40 years in the desert. I mean, we don't know. I don't know how that works in God's eyes. But it is interesting to consider that these men that he picked, only two of them were able to believe God, Joshua and Caleb. They were part of the original 12 spies. They go out, they come back. All the 10 others are like, wow, this land is crazy. These people are giants. I mean, yeah, the food looks great, but this is going to kill us to do this. What are we thinking? We're not prepared to, to win this battle. And Joshua and Caleb are going, well, I'm pretty sure the Lord told us to do it and it's going to work out. Who you appoint matters and their perspective matters. And because of these 10 men, the Lord sentenced an entire generation to stay in the desert and die there before a new generation could arise. Why? Perspective. Perspective always leads us to faith. Think about it like this. The Lord obviously really cares that you are able to see him accurately, that you are able to see him as your defender, as your warrior, as your comforter, as your savior. The list goes on and on and on as your provider, as your friend, as your father. He, he really wants us to believe in who he actually is. So we come to this full circle moment where Joshua is now instructed to appoint spies. And I just feel like Joshua is going, yeah, we are not doing this again. So he picks two men and he picks men that he knows embody the character and the identity that Israel has been called to become. And they go out, and this is a crazy story. You can read it for yourself in Joshua. Um, and this is where they meet Rahab, and they are hidden away in Rahab's house. And it's a wild story. But they come back, and they're like, we've got this. The Lord is on our side. This is going to go down, and it's going to be awesome. And so they they build faith within the entire nation. And now they go, they've just crossed the Jordan at this full circle moment, and now they're going to face the the promised land. They're going to step foot in this land that the Lord had called them to. I love this story. Literally, it's one of my favorites. But I want to ask you this question as we're thinking about what perspective looks like. What is your perspective of God? Like, how do you view the Lord? I know for me, there has been 
a bunch of different seasons in my life where I have struggled to view God accurately. I'll be honest with you. I remember reading Psalm 19 for the first time, and there was, I was, um, the doctors thought that I had cancer. It turned out to not be cancer, but I had a big thyroid, a tumor on my thyroid. And I really was afraid for my life. And I remember reading Psalm 19, and this is a much more elaborate story than I'm going to tell it as right now. But there's a line in there where it says, he delivered me because he delighted in me. And I remember throwing my Bible across the room, which I, th- I, I hate that I did that, but that was my visceral response because I just had this stinging sensation that the Lord did not delight in me. Did he love me enough to save me? Of course, but he doesn't delight in me. And you know, it's amazing because over that next year, God began to show me just how much he delights in me that I'm pretty convinced now that I am God's favorite. (laughs) I think all of us should feel that way, but I'm like kind of convinced the kind of stuff the Lord does for me. I'm like, wow, this is amazing because he's showing himself as a good dad in my life. Other times I've told the Lord, God, you are great at making promises for me, but I haven't seen you be a promise keeper. And he's like, okay, let me show you who I am as a promise keeper. And boom, 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 all of this stuff starts to happen in my life. I could tell you story after story after story. And the reason I'm telling you this is not to focus on the cool stuff that God did, but to focus for a moment on the honesty that it takes to get real about our faith. The honesty it takes to present ourselves to the Lord and say, God, I don't believe this part of you. Would you help me believe this? It's one of the most beautiful prayers when the father has this his son who's suffering with, I think it's the deaf and dumb spirit, and the disciples couldn't cast him out. I think this story is in Mark, right? And they bring the little boy to Jesus, and Jesus sees crowds beginning to, to gather. And I, I just believe that Jesus wanted to protect the dignity of this little boy, so he quickly cast the spirit out. And then the father, but he's talking to the father right before this, and the father says, I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. Do you know how profound of a prayer that is to Jesus? To just humble yourself and say, God, I'm struggling to see you in this way. Because perspective matters. And if we're going to be, um, I want to say successful, but I don't mean it in the way the world thinks about it. But if we're going to like have faith that works, if we're going to have faith that's deep and strong and, and of substance, we have to be honest. We have to be able to look to the Lord And say, Lord, would you show me who you are in this way? And I'm telling you, he will. Do you want to see God as a provider? Talk to him about that. Do you want to see God as um, the giver of peace, the prince of peace? Talk to him about that. And again, I'm not saying all of this is immediate, but he will bring us through so that we can see him accurately because how we perceive the Lord matters. And I don't know that he will truly bring us into our promise until we are able to see correctly. Do we ever see 100%? I don't think so. I think we're always in a journey of, you know, seeing more and more clearly. But there's a baseline of understanding that the Lord really wants to make sure you have before he brings you in. Why? Because there are giants waiting for you. Now, I want to be really clear about something. A long time ago, I heard that phrase, new levels, new devils, and it freaked me out. And I spent a lot of my time in my life being really scared of the enemy. I heard this crazy story, I'm not even going to tell you, um, that was like supposed to be this cool story of faith, but it traumatized me. And I, I just really was like, wow, the kingdom of darkness is so big and so vast and so powerful and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until years later that I began to learn how Jesus, like the supremacy that Jesus holds, 
who he is as an unmatched force, who he is as the king of all kings, as the God of all gods, as the highest name, the name above every other name, that I began to understand how my perception was that God was great, but the enemy was kind of kind of great. <laughs> and that maybe there was this battle between the two, but what I learned is there is no battle. Okay, of course there's spiritual warfare, but when Jesus shows up in the room, everything around him aligns to the truth of who he is. Watch the gospels, read the gospels and look at how all he had to do was walk in the room. He did not even have to announce that he was there to heal or cast out Demons just started going crazy. Where Jesus is, the whole earth has to align to it. Let me just tell it to you this way. Um, when I think about the scriptures, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. When I think about those scriptures, I always imagine that everybody's going to go, okay, yeah, no, we know. We know you're the Lord. No, you guys, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be involuntary. Because when true, pure power walks in the room, when true, pure holiness walks in the room, when the true God of everything, when the creator of the universe walks in the room, everything aligns to it. Everything in heaven and on the earth secretly knows that Jesus is the son of God. They know. The earth aligns to it. It is the sound of his voice that created it. And they remember, right? So I know this is kind of like a, a strange tangent, but I, I really feel the Holy Spirit prompting to talk about the perspective that we have of who God is. See, when when the enemy confronted, when Lucifer came and, you know, we get that story about how he was cast out of heaven and there was a bit of a squabble and a third of the angels fell with Lucifer. When I was younger, I used to imagine this as like an Avengers level war, like Michael going, Gabriel, you can do this. And, you know, and, and the angels, we're not really sure if the angels are going to win, but they pull it out at the last minute and they vanquish everybody. And then they just sit back with this like big sigh and they, they've got to, you know, nurse their wounds and, and, and heal themselves. And I don't know where I got this from. My imaginative childhood brain created this image, which is completely false. Can I just acknowledge that for a second? If you're like me, and you have believed that there's some big cosmic battle where the powers of darkness have any upper hand on the Lord, I just need to tell you that's incorrect. I think how it went down is they all rose up and they're like, we deserve more. And the Lord is like, no. And that was it. That was it. They were cast out. Because think about it. There is no power on heaven and earth. This is what the Bible tells us. That is remotely as powerful as Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit none. They are the top. So yes, there are powers on the earth. Yes, there are moments where we see the power of the enemy. Yes, when we are in agreement with the enemy, a lot of power can be exchanged. But when we present something to the Lord, Jesus wins over and over and over again. No one is a match for him. So we see in the Old Testament that what Jesus was doing, well, he's doing a lot of different things, but what God was doing was proving who he is as a God of a people. To all the neighboring enemies, to all the neighboring people, there was proof there that God is God and he can do whatever he wants. He can part the waters. He can make the sun stand still. It's pretty wild. And for us to move into our promise I believe the Lord wants us to see him clearly for us to accurately have his perspective of the earth. 
So as we move into our promised land and we begin to occupy it, we occupy it with the Lord, right? And this is where I want to land today. I want to I want to end by sharing this. You know, what I talk about in the book, in the expansion mandate, what I talk about is that Jesus, all of this is about life with Jesus. The promises that he's giving you, the reason why you don't get to come out of the desert until you've, you know, moved through some of these things is because it's not about the outcome. It's not about the job he's promised you. It's not about the child he's promised you. It's about the process of doing it with him. Everything in the kingdom is about togetherness. Everything in the kingdom is about connectedness to the Holy Spirit, about abiding with him, right? And so when we think about it in terms of accomplishing a specific thing, we're missing the point entirely. The reason why the Lord doesn't just plop you into your promise right now is because you would want to be there without him. And the whole process of battle one and two and three and four is that we learn to do it with him, where we can be like Moses and say, God, if you're not going with me, I don't want it. The Lord says, you know, you guys go, go into the land. And Moses says, I'm not going. If you don't come with me, it's not worth it. You are the prize, God. You are the promise. And whatever I do, I need to do it with you for it to be worth anything to me. That's the prayer of my heart as well. It's become that prayer to me. I'm like, Lord, I would live anywhere if I get to be with you. And it is profound for for that perspective to be inside of you. It profoundly changes the way you view and interact with the world and the challenges that are going on in your life and in the people's lives around you. And this is part of what the expansion mandate is really all about. It's about the legacy that we're leaving. It's about the impact that we're making. And it's about the impact God wants to make through us. Guys, I think I could literally talk about this all day. Maybe this is like an author issue where we just want to talk about our books all the time. I don't know. But I just love this concept so much. It's such a mandate on my own life. And it's something I've given myself to for so long. It's become in some ways second nature. And I hope this has blessed you. I hope it's encouraged you. I hope it's inspired you to go and keep moving forward and expand and experience all the blessings the Lord wants to bring to you. I hope it's inspired you to get closer to Jesus and commune with him more. So this is the end of our three-week series on the expansion mandate. Come back next week for a whole new episode. If you enjoyed this, please give me a shout out and let me know. I would love to hear and I'll see you next time.